You're listening to the Dream Marriage Podcast with Brian and Allison Dahlke. Most married people probably wouldn't say their marriage is a dream. Many would even say it's a nightmare. But with the right priorities and a unified vision, you and your spouse truly can have the dream marriage. Welcome to the Dream Marriage Podcast. I am here with my amazing husband, Brian. Hey, everybody. My name's Allison. We said that in the intro, but you know, here we are again. It's our first time. Be graceful. Yeah. Um, we're excited to finally be recording the podcast that we've literally talked about for years, which sounds so dramatic, but it's just real. It's true. And sometimes you just got to actually do the thing you said you were going to do. That's right. So here we are. But we thought before we started talking about how you can have the marriage of your dreams, we should tell you a little bit about ourselves and how we got to this place, how we ended up helping people in their marriages because we are not therapists, we're not counselors. Nope. We did not set out to do this. No. Nope. So we want to tell you a little bit about that. But we also first maybe need to tell you a little bit about us and who we are, just the the basics, babe. Tell yeah. us the basics. Yeah. So um, she said, my name's Brian. We have four beautiful children from 16 all the way down to eight years old. So our life is an amazing mess of busy and crazy and love and it's awesome but we also run a business together mm-hmm. as well as serving and volunteering and different things in our community and yeah it's it's an amazing life so at the time of this recording we've been married for 19 years yep we i would say that we're dream chasers for sure for sure we'll so we'll talk more about that we live in a tiny little town of like 1500 people and in Oklahoma, we currently live on 50 acres. A beautiful 50 acres. A beautiful 50 acres in a trailer down by the river. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I just. Allison likes to poke jokes, but, but I, we do live in a double wide trailer by a river. We do. And it really is a dream come true. We sold our dream house to go move out on this 50 acres. And yeah, we we'll downsized tell, by less than half. Yeah. We'll tell but, that whole story. But we have all the space we could ever have dreamed of. Yeah. It really, it really is a dream come true, but. Um, so that's kind of the, the details. We, we do work together. You mentioned that Mm -hmm. in a small business that we've, and we have worked together for over 14 years. Yeah. And on and off, there's been, well, there's been a few breaks in there where you've done something else, but, um, so we spend a lot of time together. Praise God. Praise God. But you wouldn't always say praise God about it. Nope. It was very hard in the beginning. Yeah. It was messy. Um, and while I would say that we now have what I would classify as the dream marriage. Yeah. And don't listen, it's not perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect marriage. Nope. But it wasn't, it hasn't always been great. And there were times when it was really messy and we're, we're going to talk more about that in the next episode about kind of the beginning and the messiness, all the mess. Yeah. But so there's the, the, the little bit about us, but let's talk about, how we got started in kind of helping people with their marriages, babe, where would you say that story really launched for us? I think looking back, it all started, I was in formal ministry mm-hmm. at what we call a mega church, a very large church. And our marriage was not great. Uh, ministry was great. Uh, a lot of things that we were doing in ministry were just growing and thriving. And I think because of that, I spent a lot more time working on my ministry than I ever did in my marriage. And 
the blessing in all of it looking back was in that season, that two or three year season where we joke now, I was basically married to the church. I think we both saw that in ministry, like maybe many other high level corporate jobs or businesses, when you're doing something that's making a big difference, it's really easy to dedicate most of your time and energy to it. Well, especially when you're working at the church, you know, we, and we were doing what I would say, we were doing a lot of good work in that season. Yeah. We, we had f- four kids, five and under, so two biological kids that were five and three, and then we had two foster babies that were two and one. Yeah. You were working in the church, Yeah. 35 minutes from yeah. home. Um, so full-time ministry, full-time parenting, we're running a business out of our home, a lot of good work, but gosh, it was messy. Yeah. And and we weren't. Meanwhile, we're trying to volunteer at our kids' schools and oh, in our community and right. do all kinds of things. Like many of you listening, probably, mm-hmm. um, you just want to add value anywhere you can. But we were basically living two different lives. Mm-hmm. I had my ministry life. She had her business owner slash mother slash foster parent, which if any of you have done that, you know, there's a whole bunch of it that goes unseen that is just really hard work. And so in that, we both had our unique lives. I was leaving early, getting home late. Um, She had a whole mess of things going on at home and it just kind of was pulling us apart slowly. Mm -hmm. And I think from the outside looking in, anyone you would talk to that knew us thought, we just had it all together. Like Mm -hmm. we had this beautiful family. We were doing so much. We were in, I was in ministry, but our home life was not great. And it, and it wasn't, we, we had some seasons where it was brutal and fighting and all of that. This season wasn't even that. This season was just, we were just growing apart. What and it was think? survival. It was. We were trying to survive. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So. And then what happened at church? That's to- what, I, yeah. I, being in ministry like that, you um, are around a lot of incredible people. But what we started to see was a lot of these people had marriages that were struggling as well. Yeah. And they were in a very similar situation in one way or another that we were, where we were very, very vested in this ministry, yet we weren't as vested in our marriage. And I think the thought process I had was, you know, I'm working for God, right? I'm at the church. Like, how can you say no? When my wife right. would call and say, hey, are you going to be home for dinner tonight? In my head, I would say, and this is awful to say now looking back, but in my head, I would think, sitting down to dinner with my wife and kids is not as important as this work that I'm doing here. And it was that mindset that we started to see was affecting so many other people. Mm -hmm. And so the ultimate kind of the final straw was I, I basically had a mentor. It was a couple that we really looked up to that their marriage just crumbled right in front of our eyes. And there was an emotional affair that led to a physical affair and it all kind of happened right in front of us and it happened in front of us, but it was also a slow fade. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it happened like, slowly. Is how we see every marriage fall apart. For the most part, it's very rare that you see a couple kind of just crumble in a day. You know, it can happen. Yeah. But mostly it's a slow fade. No one sets out to say, I'm gonna cheat on my wife or my husband today or I'm gonna, you know, Well, I think, yeah, when you know the details of the story, it never happens fast. Right. I think because we live in such a social media world, like it does sometimes seem that way because you look at the pictures they had three days ago and they were at the circus together and everything looked great. And then they're announcing that they're separating. So, but when you truly know somebody that walks from, you know, 
what is a great marriage into something that's not, it doesn't happen quickly. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of had front row seats to see this. And the takeaway, the big takeaway we had from it was we, we can't let this be, be us. I don't want to become that. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of started to break it down. Well, why did this happen? And, you know, ultimately it was because work was coming before their family. And so I ended up stepping away from ministry in that season and we started, I'm not going to say we accomplished, but we started to try to figure out how we could have a better marriage and still do all the things that we felt like God was calling us to. Well, and it's also order, right? How do we put things back in the right order? Because you're right when you say, you know, well, I'm working for God and this is all for God's glory. Everything you're doing at the church, yes. As if to say you weren't though. No, I know. Yeah. But yeah. but what I just had a title. I yeah. know, right? And but but I think what's interesting about that is even that the work that you're doing was put before I think our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. And right. we now know that order matters. Oh yeah. And so when when I'm in the, when we have things in the right order, when God comes first in our life, our relationship and our intimacy with him and then our marriage comes next, and then our family, and then our work. Right. That's when things flow. It's just so easy for those things to get out of order. So we yeah. started to put things in order, right. and that started the shift towards a more fruitful marriage right. for us. And I think that's so opposite of what the world says, right? Like sure. Become successful, make a lot of money, the rest of it will fall into place. Oh, yeah. That's the American dream, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll we'll get into that in our next episode yeah. on, on how we had things out of order and the details of that. But coming back to, I think, when I stepped out of ministry and we started to work on our marriage more, um, just in out of an offensive mindset as opposed to a, a reactive defensive mindset, we um, got away together. Well, but before that. I think talk about we were volunteering and we were still involved in the church. And oh, yeah. Yeah. So I skipped a whole part, didn't I? Yeah, you Sorry. did. It's a okay. first timers guy. <laughs> Guys. Um, so I did step out of formal ministry shortly thereafter, jumped right back into volunteering in the church in a volunteer capacity. And pretty shortly after that was put into a kind of a leadership role over some volunteers. And one thing we kind of discovered on this, this journey of, you know, trying to make our marriage better was we had, we had come to the conclusion that we needed to also be more vulnerable with people around us Mm -hmm. because, you know, the devil wants you isolated. Mm -hmm. He wants you in a dark place. He doesn't want things brought to light. And so. Well, and also we saw that when you were in ministry, it's hard at that point for someone in a leadership position in the church to truly be vulnerable. Yeah. Who who do you be vulnerable to? right? Right. Because you are the spiritual like example. So if you don't have it all together, then, you know, what are, it's, it's a challenge. And so, but that's, I think that that's one of the tactics the enemy uses to get in and say, okay, don't say anything, don't be weak, don't be vulnerable. And yeah. we know that that's the yeah. opposite. Yeah, for sure. And so I think in volunteering, um, I don't know that I knew I was doing this, but one thing I would say to my leaders when, you know, you have leader meetings and you meet with them. So you were a leader of leaders and let's just, you, yeah, were, yeah. you were leading other men who were other leading volunteers. Youth. Right. Yeah. And so one thing I would say to them was, Hey, you know, if you're struggling with something, don't, don't struggle alone. Mm-hmm. Like whether it be in your marriage, whether it be substance, whether it be pornography, you know, we went through all this list of things that men might be struggling with. And this is a group of volunteers from 15 to 
70, you mm-hmm. know, all different ages, backgrounds. And I guess one of the things I said pretty regularly was if there's something in your marriage going on, you know, we believe there's nothing stronger than a strong marriage, which is something we say all the time. And if your marriage is struggling, that's going to limit the amount that you can affect the kingdom. And so if you ever have any struggles, you know, come to me, I'll help in any way I can. And I think I kind of said it off the cuff and not really thinking that was maybe something someone would do. And then one night I had a gentleman come to me that, that was serving and he said, Hey, my, my marriage is struggling and we need some help. What can you guys do? Which is awesome. That's what I had asked for. I just didn't know it would happen. And so I just looked at him and, and obviously guys looking back, we can see God in the middle of all this, but at the time I couldn't, you know, but I'm thinking, okay, great. And the thing that came to my mind was we need to attack this quick. So I said, what are y'all doing tomorrow? How about you come and meet with my wife and I tomorrow? And this was on a Wednesday night at maybe 9 PM, you know, church had just gotten out. And so he's like, okay, we'll do it. So he goes and tells his wife, I go home to tell Allison thinking, I don't know what I thought, but I thought she would be like, okay, like we've gone through some stuff. We can do this. But I go home and tell her, hey, there's this couple from church that you don't know. They want some help in their marriage. They're coming over tomorrow. And you said. Absolutely not. <laughs> I have no interest in that. Yeah, that's exactly what she I said. I just felt like, who are we to speak into someone's marriage? What do we, like our marriage was not great. It was good. It was getting better. It was better. getting better for sure. But I just, I felt very ill-equipped. Like yeah. that, who are we to help these people? But, you know hindsight is everything. Like I, I now know we were a little farther ahead than they were. Therefore, you know, we had a few things to to help. We could help them with. Right. But at the time I was like, absolutely not to the point where the next day we're in our office. Well, so she tells me absolutely not, which I then probably should have called the couple and said, Hey, we might need to wait but I didn't. No. So next day comes, we're in our office and I'm just like a little irritated because I don't want to do this. He feels very called. Like he feels like God brought these people to us. We're going to do this. And I feel very ambushed. Like I don't want to do this. And what do I have to, what am I going to say? All the way up to the point when I said, Hey babe, they're pulling into the driveway. I think I was like, fine. What are their names? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In our office at our house, our this chairs makes- our chairs sat back to back, and we had those spinning office chairs, so we would collaborate a lot, and that would usually entail us spinning our chairs around, looking at each other face-to-face and talking. So I spun my chair around, and I said, hey, hey, babe, they're pulling in the driveway. And she did not spin her chair around to engage me. She stayed looking at her computer and said, okay, fine, what are their names? Yeah. So, so he goes out to greet them, and I'm still in the office. He, d- You probably didn't know what you were walking back into. I really didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I—, I you know, and maybe someone listening finds themselves doing this in, in many situations in your life, but I was walking back in the house. I'm trying to be cordial. You know, they don't know what they're walking into either. And so they're probably a little hesitant, a little scared. And I'm just praying with my eyes open saying, dear God, let my wife be open to this when we walk in. Cause just if they better be kind, yeah. Cause <laughs> if they feel what I felt when I left the office 35 seconds ago, they're just going to turn around and walk out. Yeah. And so, and then we also know, especially now that we've helped so many different couples that that might have been the only time he reached out for help. Right. And if he had felt rejection mm-hmm. or felt like, you know, he wasn't adequate or whatever, who knows what would have happened. Well, we've since learned that for most men, it is challenging to go to another man and say, can you help me? Like, 
this is not going well. It's right. just, it's a sense of pride. And not all men, but most. A lot. Most yeah, that we've it, come into contact with in this. It's hard to be vulnerable. And so when you ask for help, you're opening yourself up to vulnerability. And so, yes, now we know, like, for sure, he may never have asked anybody else again if you said, I don't know what to do to help yeah. you guys. And, and who knows? But I have no doubt now looking back, God put us in that position on that day to help them. And they walked in. And guys, you won't believe me when I say this, but it's true. For the next hour and a half, my wife, like a chameleon, turned into this most incredible life-speaking, truth-speaking leader that I knew she was. And I, and I had seen her do that before with lots of women because she had done lots of stuff in women's ministry, but it was incredible. I, I pretty much sat there for an hour and a half and just nodded and agreed with everything she said. I don't think they ever even looked at me. And so she's pulling books off her bookshelf to give them and she's giving them advice and she's praying over them. And I'm crying. They're crying. Yeah. There were tears and I'm a fly on the wall just going, God just wanted me to set this thing up. Like I don't even need to be here. And so they leave and there were hugs and you know, it was great. And they leave and I look at her and go, babe, that was incredible. Like you were made to do exactly what you just did. And your response was? I, I don't know. I, I, I was still so against this. Yes. I was like, absolutely not. That was awful. I'm never doing it again. Yeah. She was like, I, I hated that. That was, and you know, it's, I don't even know an analogy that fits, but watching someone do exactly what they were made to do. And then you know, a couple minutes later, them say, I'm never doing that again. It's just, you're, you're like, no, you're doing that again. But how do you say that as a husband Yeah. without, you know, saying, Hey, we're a team, but all that to say it was, it was incredible. And so I think that was the day for me mm-hmm. that God just affirmed, you guys can do this. Yeah. Like, you can help people get farther than they are. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to put people in front of you that mm-hmm. are, are where you've been so you can lead them to where you are. Yes. And I'm going to take care of it. Just trust me. So that's what I heard from the Lord. I think you did too a little bit. Listen, it just took you a little longer to get there. My personality is very stubborn. I like to do things my way. This was not in the plan. I didn't know, you know, like, so the Lord got a hold of me eventually, but it took a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so that was kind of our first instance of really helping a couple. Right. And, and we saw the fruit of that. We saw them change and, just even make small incremental changes that really yeah. long-term help. But then a couple of years down the road, we were kind of battling through some things um, emotionally, spiritually, personally. Um, we had found out that I carried both BRCA1 and 2 mutations, which is – we knew my mom carried both mutations years before. We'd been to genetic counseling, done all the things. At this time, we have three babies of our own, one f- different foster baby at the time, and we're just in a season of it. everything felt like a lot. Yeah. I felt like I was really wrestling with God over this mutation about in this knowledge. My, my breast and ovarian cancer risks were over 85% over my lifetime. They couldn't even really tell me because most people carry one gene or the other, but not both. And so there was a lot of unknown and a lot of uncertainty. And, and I was just really wrestling with God with that, about all of that. And then we just kind of had a lot going on and, and you came to me and said, babe, let's, we're going to get away. Yeah. And it was in a season when I was like, we can't get away. Right. We have four kids. Like what? Oftentimes the season you need to get away the most yeah. is a season where you have the least margin. Yeah. But yeah. We, we made it happen. Um, you know, we, we figured it all out. We 
put everybody where they needed to go, and we got well, away for a couple. What's nights. funny about that is looking back. I remember it was a struggle making it happen between getting childcare and for those of you that have been foster parents, you know, you can't just send your foster baby to anyone's house to stay the night. Like there's a bunch of hoops. And then between our business and volunteering and ministry and a lot of things, I know it was a struggle. I don't remember how hard it was because I'm sure it was hard, but the fruit fruit that came out of us leaving was worth it tenfold. And so... So he took me to a little cabin in the woods. It was amazing. Did we go two or three nights? It doesn't really matter. Three nights. I think it was three nights, which was hard to figure out, but we made it happen. Yep. I remember. And and keep in mind, folks, this is for the people that we love to travel. We love to get away. It's something we do talk about a ton now. But at that point in our lives, when we first got married, we said, we're going to travel every year to a new country. We did that for the first two years. And then we're now, (laughs) at this point when we take this retreat, we're probably 10, 12 years past that. And we haven't really traveled at all besides business trips. We've taken some business trips, but. So he, so I remember that you let me sleep a lot. I, like, I just remember being so tired. I was emotionally and spiritually exhausted. That's yeah. what I felt like. And physically. Yeah. And phys- the physicality of just four small children and yeah. all of that. But I remember you let me sleep a lot, yeah. but you also like sat with me and asked me these big, bold, broad vision oriented questions and kind of things that maybe we had talked about, like when we were dating, like where do we want to be in 10 years, you know, but not, not anything that we talked about since then. And you just sat with me and asked me these questions and listened to me. Even as I attempted to process some of those things that I I don't even know if I knew, you know, you asked me questions that I wasn't sure that I'd thought about in a long time. Right. Um, and that, that, that just time together of being vulnerable and open and really looking together at the future and kind of creating a vision for where we were going and who we were as a couple and as parents and as, you know, all of those things, we walked away from that so different. Yeah. Well, and I think that most people get so caught up in the day-to-day, the surviving. Yeah that you forget what it's like when you're dating and you're saying, where do you want to be in 10 years? Like, what's your dream job? Where do you want to live? We should live in another country. Where do you want to live? You know, and it's that those dreams that get kind of squashed by responsibility in real life. Mm -hmm. And so we, we know now looking back that the reason we did that is because being in ministry, you ask a lot of big questions of your volunteers because mm-hmm. it's a great way to f- figure out who someone is, right? Like, what'd you dream about? What'd you want to be? What'd you want to? And yet we never practiced that in our family. Well, and we'd done the same thing in business. You know, we yeah. knew that it was important that you had a strong why. If you're running a business from home, like you can't just do your it. Why? All. Your why. W-H-Y. Yeah. What did, what did I? No, it's okay. Yeah. Anyways. So, but we'd been teaching this and casting vision for people for years and it's not that we didn't have one, but maybe we didn't, you know, like right. now that I really think about it, like I kind of, I had a vision for my business. We maybe had separate small visions, but in terms of a unified vision, we definitely didn't have that. No. And I, th- I think because we were around it so much and it's something we were leading other people through in business and maybe even in ministry, it, it's not something front of mind that we wanted to do with each other. And so because you do it so much, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of want to leave work at work, right? So anyway, we get away and I had a list of, of five or six things I wanted to discuss with her because, again, we were in a season where between her 
you know, us finding out that she has these two genes and, or these, not genes, but. Yeah, gene yeah, mutations. Yeah, gene mutations. Everybody has them, but yeah. And we had three kids of our own and a foster baby that we were moving forward with adoption on and all of these things. I just wanted to sit with her in the stillness and just say, one, how are you? Two, how can we be serving each other better and have that conversation? And then also, what are you dreaming about? Like, where do we want to be in five years, Mm -hmm. 10 years when our kids are this age and this age and this age and really just visualize that. And so we sat and I think the first day was the hardest because getting all these big, and I do remember there was resistance. I would ask you something, you'd be like, where, where's this coming from? Why are you? Yeah. And it was just kind of this hesitancy about, I I truly think most of it came from a, at that point in our marriage and in recent years in our marriage, and maybe this is where some of you are at, you often feel like your spouse is coming in things with an angle. Right. Like, I'm trying to find this out because I want to get what I want to get. Now I got to figure out how to get there. Right. And so she was kind of hesitant when, you know, we're asking all these big questions. But then I think after the first day of us just sitting and listening and thinking, And we did a lot of just, we walked around some hiking trails and we sat in the hot tub and we just did a lot of stillness, which our lives were not still Mm -hmm. um, coming into this. I think the next day, both of us just opened up and said, okay, here's what I'm dreaming about. And it was a lot of stuff that we maybe had never discussed. Right. Some dreams that she had that she had never vocalized, probably for fear of not being able to accomplish it or not getting there. And same with me, like I'm a dreamer, but how do you tell your wife that you're both struggling financially that you want 50 acres in the middle of nowhere to build a big house and all. Well, it's just not possible. So I don't even want to speak it because then I fail if it doesn't happen. So the second day was amazing. We really started to, you know, get somewhere. And then by the third day we started to write down some plans Mm -hmm. and our life from that moment, we can look back on and see the trajectory, trajectory just changed. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of big things. One that I'll mention, we didn't know if we were going to have any more kids or not. Allie wanted to stop at two and I wanted to stop at four. We currently had three biological, one we were thinking about adopting, who also had a brother mm-hmm. that if we adopted one, we were going to adopt both. Mm-hmm. So we were going to go from three to five. Yeah. So the, the basically it was a decision. If we're going to have one more biological of our own, then we ha- it has to be Instead we of, have to be okay with six. We have to be okay with six. Yeah. That was the whole decision. That was, yeah. So we left there saying, okay, we can have six. Mm-hmm. And if that's what the Lord wants, that's what we're going to do. And mm-hmm. so so that was one of many things that we left there that changed our lives dramatically looking back. But that was the first dream retreat. Yeah. We didn't call it that because we didn't know what we were doing. Right. But we walked away from that going, well, I say we walked away. Within the couple years after that and seeing how our life changed very drastically, we were able to look back and go, oh, my gosh, that's because of that retreat. Yeah. So And then so many things changed in that we, we had another baby. Our foster baby went back to bio mom. We, um, I, had, I ended up having a double mastectomy yep. and reconstruction eventually. Like we, there was a lot that went on for a couple of years. Yeah. But I think in the back of both of our minds and kind of our hearts, there was always this little like kind of flicker of like, we want this for other people, the unity that we had created and the vision that we'd created. Cause listen, it wasn't perfect. And we were still, you know, we have, we still have disagreements. It's not like everything was all, but we had this vision and this unity. Like it yeah. felt like we were a team Yeah, and 
I think we both wanted that for other people, but we didn't know what that looked like or how we would help people do that. And it was a couple years, like we'd gone through my reconstruction journey and that all of that and our foster care journey kind of came to an end and sort of at the tail end of that, after we'd done a lot of healing, it is just kind of that season where it felt like for you, you felt like it was time for us to pour back into other couples. And you suggested like, well, maybe we, maybe we do a trial run, like try to attempt to recreate the retreat that we had for other couples. Right. And that was met with a little bit of resistance. For sure. If you haven't noticed yet, I am the dream crusher. (laughs) We joke. In every couple, there's one typically that's more of a dreamer. Mm -hmm. And the one that's not the dreamer self-titles themselves the realist. Yes. But the dreamer titles them as the dream crusher. Yes. So that's kind of our joke, but it. It's like might the, be true in your marriage as it's well. It's like the good dinosaur clip. If any of you've ever seen, it's a Disney movie. I probably shouldn't even say this, but <laughs> it's, okay. it's that you remember the guy yeah. with the triceratops. Yeah, and he has the bird that sits on his thing. Yeah, he's like he's introducing all the people that are sitting on him, and then he gets to her, and I think her name was Karen. Karen, right? I think her name's Karen. Like, this is Karen. She keeps me from having unrealistic goals. <laughs> That's we call exactly. her dream crusher yeah. or something. I'm like. Dream crusher. Hope yes. smasher. Hope smasher. Yeah. Anyways, that was a tangent. But I went to her and said, hey, it's kind of like in your life whenever you've gotten to a certain place, it's easier for you to start to recognize that maybe other people aren't in that place. And we, I think, and it was the Lord, it wasn't anything we did, but it was, we just started to notice more people around us that maybe weren't where they should be or weren't where we knew they were capable they of could being. Be. Yeah. And so I just said, Hey, I, I think we need to have a retreat similar to ours. We'll kind of structure it the same and, you know, have trusted people that we trust with their feedback to come. And so I, again, I kind of started to put that into motion. She did resist a little bit, but I don't want to make her out to be the bad guy either. Ultimately she felt like it was something we should do as well. Yeah. So we hosted kind of a trial retreat, like basically just a little mock of what we did in our home. We, yeah. Our our previous home was just set up well for that. We had um, the bedrooms and the bathrooms that just kind of worked. We kicked our kids out. They went and stayed with my mom. Yeah. Thanks, Grammy. They went and stayed with grandma. Yeah. yeah. We didn't put them out on the street or anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we tried to create this space that was safe and welcoming and the right environment for couples to come and kind of do the work that we had done. And we didn't charge them. We just said, just come. We fed them well um, and just sort of prepped them with all these questions and gave them some communication tools and some of the things that we'd learned. And overall it went, it went so well. And the feedback we got was, okay, like this, we didn't know that we needed this vision. And now we feel like a team. We didn't know that there was something else that we could be moving towards and things just look different now. Right. And it was encouraging to get that feedback and kind of to hear them say like, you guys should keep doing this. Right. Well, it was encouraging to hear the feedback, but also maybe the things that had worked best for us weren't the things that other people reacted to the best. But what we saw was, God just kind of meets people where they're at. Yeah. And so if we show up and they show up, mm-hmm. the rest of it, I mean, it, it's work, but the rest of it falls into place. And so it, we quickly realized it, it wasn't because of us, but it was because we just made a space 
Yeah. And people well, showed up. And we were obedient yeah. um, to really what I think. God and they were. Yeah. To come to a retreat to say yeah. that you're going to go to someone's home for four days that you might not know very well mm-hmm. or know very little about, to have that kind of faith and trust is a lot. Mm-hmm. But we found the people that do it, it, it works. Yeah. So after that, we... Uh, we just kept hosting retreats. Yeah, we we've hosted um, several. We hosted several in our home while we lived in that house until we sold it, and then we yeah. started hosting in Mexico because it's one of our favorite places. But also, we didn't have a place anymore. You know, right? Well, and we were hesitant too. When you, you know, probably you guys listening can identify with this. When when you have people over to your home. You can control the environment. Mm-hmm. You control the food. You control the music. You the control, timing, you know, all yeah, of it, yeah. everything. And so, by going to another country For sure. and going to a resort, you know, we were just a little hesitant about how's this going to look. And again, we constantly find ourselves saying, "Why did we ever doubt that God wasn't going to show up and do something?" Uh-huh. And so, and every time we've done one, it's been amazing. Yeah. And so. Oh, I thought you were about to say. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, we, it worked better than we thought it was for sure in Mexico. We it's, It was more time. We did five days and they had more downtime together, more space together, I think more intimacy. And that's really important too. So anyways, that's how we got to where we are. And I guess part of that is how we got here is we've had so many people say, well, we can't get away. Like how do we want, we want the information you guys are sharing. How do we get that? And how do you get that to people except for maybe through an avenue like this, a podcast? Why not? Yeah. So here we are. We've continued to partner with couples over the – we've been doing this for five years now. Yeah. Partnering with couples through retreats, through couples coaching, through strategy sessions, and and now by offering what we know and what we've learned to you guys here on the podcast. So, yeah. Yeah. So we're just really excited about where this is going to go. We – want this to to serve you in your marriage um, mm-hmm. in any way that it can. And again, this is one of those things we're just saying yes to that yeah. we feel like God's put in front, front of us. Yeah. So in our next episode, we are going to talk um, about why it's essential for couples to dream together and how you can start doing that right now. Um, we have some practical tools for you. Um, we'll, I think we actually have some free downloads in the next episode for you to go and grab to kind of help you get started. And um, just we have some guidelines and some kind of, you know, boundaries to help you do that well. So and we're also going to go back to the origin story. Yeah. We didn't cover the first 10 years of our marriage. So we're going to briefly cover that in the next episode. So we you gave you the us. high points tonight, today. The, the origin story was. We're going to talk about some of the low lights. It was messy But it's real. And yeah. real. Um, before we go, I want to thank Jenny Zables. She is our dear friend, actually lives in the same tiny town as we do. We moved on the same day, little known fact, to that tiny town. Um, her podcast, Breakthrough Truth That Sets You Free, is an incredible listen. I've linked it in the show notes so you can go and listen. And we just want to thank her. She helped us get all set up on starting the podcast, what to do, all the intricacies of, you know, what you need to know. It's more complicated than we ever thought. Yeah. And simple, but yeah. Yeah. But we also want to thank Vault 405. That's where we're currently recording this podcast. It's a great community office space in downtown Edmond, Oklahoma. They have conference rooms. They have offices. They have this beautiful podcast room that we're in Mm -hmm. that anybody can use. And um, we just want to thank them so much for allowing us to come in and use this space. Yeah. And before we go, I know you've heard it a million times. Here's the deal, y'all. For people to find this podcast, you have to like and subscribe, leave us a comment. We appreciate you. 
And more than anything, we want to encourage you, no matter where your marriage finds itself today, there is always the possibility for growth. And we believe and know that you too can have the marriage of your dreams. Yes. We'll see you next time on The Dream Marriage.